Welcome back to another episode of It's Go Time. On today's episode, we have Muhammad Faris, the author of Productive Muslim and now the Barakah Effect. Man, what's up with the whole like matching one? Maroon and jeans is going on. I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, know. It's like so we got hey, the memo. Maroon socks too. We had to work it out. We all knew we were coming on this podcast yeah, today. It. We all yeah. got the memo. Bismillah. Muhammad Faris. Yes, sir. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Good man. Fabulous having you on. Thank you. Fabulous having you back in Dallas. Oh man, I miss yeah. Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. Dallas <laughs> misses Muhammad Faris too, man. Alhamdulillah. And uh, it's been a, how long has it been since you were? Six months. Six months. Yeah, since May. More than six months. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. How's things there? Settled in Dubai. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Settled is, is a. It's Dubai is a transient city. You know you're not gonna be there forever. So <laughs> you just gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta get out. <laughs> it is like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> That's a- and uh, tell me something uh, for the listeners, for our viewers, and so on. Mm-hmm. Who is Muhammad Faris? He's a r- random guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Muhammad? Who Faris? talks a lot. <laughs> writes a lot. Yeah. All right, Muhammad Faris. Muhammad Faris is a uh, is a uh, is an uh, interesting person <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i like to describe myself firstly inshallah as a, like an author so i write i write books connecting spirituality to life and business that's what i do um known for productive muslim.com the blog the productive muslim book and now the baraka effect book coming up inshallah inshallah um born in tanzania ethnically yemeni grew up in saudi uk Mm, what a mix lived in Dallas <laughs> now in Dubai don't ask me how <laughs> that's a globe trotter yeah, yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah alhamdulillah just uh, yeah just 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 love just just fortunate alhamdulillah blessed to have a life where i'm working on stuff that i enjoy doing alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Gr- growing up born in Tanzania in 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 West Africa and and East uh, Huh? East Africa. It's sorry, East Africa. I'm so sorry. Sorry, East Africa. East Africa. Sorry. Uh, um, was it always your your passion to to be an author to to do what you how how did you stumble upon stumble upon it? Um, blogging. So 2007, 2008, the year everyone started blogging, right? Yeah. The blogger stuff. So that's when I knew I, I wanted to write. That's one thing I was for sure I wanted to write. But I wasn't sure what to write. So I started a personal blog. And it was a personal blog for like a life story. Like, yeah. yeah, that didn't sit well with me. Then I got, I stumbled on this whole productivity science. And I was like, oh man, I love this stuff. You know, get things done. I was the lifehacker.com and gadget.com, the, you know, software tools, you know. I was a student and yeah, I, yeah, I had yeah, yeah. two jobs. I was running the MSA at that time, ISOC in the UK. And I was involved with like, and I was doing my master's degree. And I'm like, man, I'm busy. Like, I feel overwhelmed. How do I manage my time, manage my projects? Yeah. So I just fell in love with the whole productivity scene, um, David Allen, the whole works. And then I was like, oh man, this is so cool. I want to teach the Muslim world about this. Like that was like the thing. I want to teach the Muslim world about this. Okay. And that's when I first started writing, started the blog, Productive Muslim. And then I was like, let me just, just write what I'm learning and teach the world. And then two months later, I shut the website down. I'm like, a stupid idea. Who's going to read oh, this no. stuff? It's like, why? Like, like why do I waste my time? And this was in 2008, right? 2007, 2008, yeah. So I shot yeah. it in 2008. And then six months later, I graduated from my master's degree. I was bored, looking for a job. And then this random 10-year-old boy emails me. He goes, hey, where's your blog? I used to love it. 
I'm like, oh, a true fan. <laughs> Somebody actually read my blog. Yeah. Turns out my flatmate's brother, but it's okay. <laughs> but it's like, it's a true fan. It's like, someone. I got somebody who's yeah. actually reading my stuff. Reading it. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I should restart it again. We need like, yeah, that boost yeah. again. And then, but this time I thought, you know, let me switch the script. Instead of me trying to take the David Allen and the whole Western productivity to science explaining to the Muslim world, what if I flip a script and saying, what is it in our faith? What is in the Quran, in the Sunnah, in the Seerah that talks about productivity? And that question mark was like, whoa, was like I've never thought of like verses of the Quran or hadith from a productivity perspective. Right. And it just unlocked the whole world. It's almost like you're wearing new goggles. Now you're reading the Quran, you're reading the hadith, you're like, whoa, well, that's productivity and that's productivity. And that's like, it's just that it just gives you this whole different way of thinking, seeing new things. perspective. So I started writing about that and that's when things kicked off, right? The blog took off. You know, those days, Facebook was so easy to get a million followers. I got mm. my first million followers within, like, you know, six months. Like, it was just one of those things even picked up. People started coming for training and workshop. Singapore government calls me and goes, oh, we should do a workshop in Singapore. I'm like, whoa, I get paid for this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's so cool. So I think just this whole, again, Allah subhanahu wa was like, you know, the right time, right place, you know, and then, and then just things open up. But yeah, to your question, never thought in my life that this will be a full-time gig. It was okay. more like, it was a blog. And up until that point, it was a blog. Yeah, yeah. 2011, established the company officially. And, but I was still like, again, it's a hobby. Yeah, I make some money on the side, workshop stream. It ain't no full-time thing, forget it. Mm-mm. I have my full-time job. I work in an in Islamic bank, risk management. Nice, good corporate job, well-paid. But I'm thinking of writing that. But I, I know I'm depressed. No fulfillment. No. I mean, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like, dang, I just... And my wife, I mean, you know, we got married. My wife, like, you know, I could depressed, going to work, like, getting up out of bed. That's what I knew. Like, you know what? I can't be doing this. Yeah. And at the same time, the website was picking up and I had to, I had to make a choice. Am I doing this full-time or not? Funny, I'm going through my, um, just, just going through my drawers and there was a decision tree. My wife and I sat down deciding whether to quit my job and do productivity full-time okay. or wow. to just, um, you know, or to just stick, stick on my job. And I remember we wrote all these reasons of why I should stay. Security, yeah. paycheck, benefits you know medical insurance all this benefit again the company I had was amazing benefits yeah. I was like all these benefits and then productive Muslim literally said um, passion meaning purpose yep we'll go that way <laughs> <laughs> that was it there was nothing else on that like there was no money that's, <laughs> there a, was that's no, a true leap no, of faith no, like, no, I was like yeah. there's nothing there but then again at the same time I was like alright what am I so then I took a they had this amazing program called Leave Without Pay. Okay. So, okay, so I got my job secure. So let me take a, I took a two-year leave without pay. And I was like the last person that sabbatical, to, to get okay. that. Yes, yeah, sabbatical. So I kind of got my two-year leave without pay. And like, hey, that's that's me covering my base. Mm-hmm. I took a loan from my relatives. Like, hey, listen, I need some money just to, la- my wife is pregnant, first child. I'm like, I don't want to just put everyone through a whole stress. Mm-hmm. Let me have some financial backup. And let me see how this goes. Alhamdulillah. And you can't, you, I mean, you're not going to look back. No, Alhamdulillah. I mean, right now they're trying, it's funny, the same company that left, they call me back as a consultant, which I'm kind of doing on the side, but like, hey, would you like to feel full-time? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that Been ship there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> that ship I'm very, I'm very clear what I want to focus on. And, and that's just, again, that's just the idea of just once you decide and you just, that's it, this is your life now. I have to say, it took me six months after leaving my job to really wear the entrepreneur hat. Okay. Because the first okay. six months, you're like, you know, yeah, I could go back. I missed my paychecks. And you, know, you wake up middle of the night, like, I've got bills this month. I'm going to pay it. So all that freak 
freaking out happens mm-hmm. after six months you just embrace it you're like all right good yeah okay i've got cash flow issues no worries just launch a course okay i've got this issue all right you mean you start things as an entrepreneur you start exactly, to just figure exactly. things out yeah, and you yeah, make yeah. it work so i think alhamdulillah man i mean that's that just shows us that if you follow your passion and your dream right you 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 had there was no money uh, idea that people are going to hire you you're going to make money nothing it was just a passion, passion. it was an idea it was it was it was something that that you wanted to do and and then it just everything just the stars align, align and things align. fall into your lap straight away i also got passion i call it intention like i feel intention, like intention yeah okay the right nia we have this thing about adina yeah, like yeah. intention so important cuz passion comes and goes right i've got passion for cycling or running i got passion for yeah, like you yeah. know those come but you really have to feel what's the nia what's the intention okay that that's your north star like every time every time i'm in doubt every time i'm thinking oh, man should you can still you know every, even after so many years it comes moments where you're like okay, i've got three kids now i've got this i've got you know you have all these questions but what's the nia what's the intention the moment you come back to intention you're like all right my nia is very clear you come back to it without that without the nia it just becomes if it's just about passion you may have to while like all right i've done it they've been there done that mm-hmm. i can go well. back to my old you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's like, what's the knee? If the knee is still valid, you can keep going. Basically. Fabulous, man. Uh, tell us more about your your retreats. You do. You I see you do a lot of retreats, mm. teaching people about the productivity, how to productivity, and 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 uh, and how Islam coexists together, and how you bring that. How how does that? Yeah. So the retreat is funny. I wanted the story behind is very funny. I went. Um, I was going to Singapore and. On the way to Singapore, I bump into a guy called Fazal Baharuddin. He's the CEO of Halal Trip. Okay. So Halal Trip does all these like halal trips. So then I decide to fly with it. So we would yeah. go to Singapore. Oh, let's have dinner next day. So we go to have dinner next day, and then he's like, "I told him, listen, I would love to do a retreat, but I just can't handle logistics because it's just, just beyond me." Right. Okay. He's like, "All right, I'll take a logistics. Like, bring it. I'll bring the program." And that's how retreats were born. I wanted to have an experience. Like I was doing a lot of workshops, and I knew. You know when I, when I deliver a workshop, when I leave a, a one day workshop, two day workshop, part of it feels like hey, I don't know how much of that stuck, right? I'm teaching this, people are like, yeah, mashallah, brother, amazing, I love your work, but I'm like, you know, six months from now, how much of this stuff will stick? So I wanted a different way of teaching, which is almost immersive, really get, you know, you really experience it for seven days at least. So we said, look, let's do this retreat. So we went to, uh, we went first with Sri Lanka, then in Indonesia, and then went to Uzbekistan, other parts of Bosnia. What the model was, can we immerse people? First of all, lock them up in the resort. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> for seven days. Okay. So yeah. you're not allowed to leave. <laughs> you know, we take away your phones. <laughs> you do? Seriously? <laughs> no, we tried that. didn't work. <laughs> we're like, we're like, take away like, everyone's like, no, no. That's, you know, we're, we're paying five-star experience. We want our phones. So that didn't work. But we say, you're going to try seven days and just just live the productive Muslim lifestyle. Okay. So we get up, pray Fajr together, do South Morning Adhkar, read Quran, go out, exercise, have mm-hmm. amazing breakfast, do some workshops, do some journaling, coaching, you know, have a nap, middle of the day, you know, have evening Adhkar, reflection. So it's really the whole productive Muslim package in seven days. Oh, and that, for honestly, for me, I was shocked by the transformation happened in seven days. People are... There were people who showed up. I remember this one lady showed up. She like, I don't pray. I don't. I don't see the point of praying. Like she straight up. She's like, I don't see the point of praying. I don't pray. I don't see the logic behind praying. But I'm here. I'm like, listen, you're here. We're praying every day, five day, times a day. Please join us if you want to. And she's like, all right, cool. And she's there. And I don't know why she signs Product Muslim retreat. If she, anyway, she just said, I want to experience this. Seven days later, she breaks down crying, saying, I have to pray. I need to pray. I'm like, what happened? Did someone give you like a lecture about praying? Like, no, no. no. Just experiencing this five times a day praying gave me that anchor that I was missing in my life. 
Subhanallah. Like I felt like this was the anchor missing. It was experiential. No amount of lectures, Mm. no amount of like giving, you know, you know, why you should be praying made a difference. It's just the experience. So that really got me hooked. Like, you know, I need to continue doing these experiences. So that's one model. Then last couple of years, we switched the model a little bit to be more almost like um, learning journeys, meaning like we go to Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. All right, Uzbekistan, amazing history, amazing place, amazing people. But then, okay, you sometimes you go as a tourist, you know, nice place, you know, nice to photos, mashallah, amazing. Then you go back. So you say, well, what if we take like the history and apply it in modern life? So Uzbekistan, we have Imam Bukhari there, Imam Tirmi there. We have, you know, incredible, even seen as there, incredible scholars. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, what can we learn about their life that can apply to our modern day life today? So it became about these learning journeys where you're looking at history, but applying it to your life today personally. So Uzbekistan was about how to be have impact in the Ummah, which is the okay. main message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosnia was about resilience because you know the people of Bosnia and all the way they went through oh, resilience, yeah. right? Sabr and resilience. How do you imagine yourself going through these difficulties? What would you do? How would you how you handle difficulties? Yes. So those are two models of retreats. So I personally prefer the first one because I feel like that's more immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know we like seeing we can do both at the same time. But yeah, logistically that's not about retreats. Fantastic. Right? But just rewinding a little bit. Yeah. So it's the production must have started off as the blog, and then at what point did you start compiling it and, and getting the book together yeah. and, and then launching the book? The book's another story. Um, I was two thousand. Tell us the story. Two thousand twelve. <laughs> so I've been blogging for a while. I've been always thinking, all right, we try a book, you try a book, you try a book. But I'm like, yeah, book me, write a book. Like I never thought myself as an author. Like that that was just way too like ten years, maybe twenty years from now. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting in a, I would go to this conference and I'm sitting across the CEO of Awakening, Awakening Media, who's just like the Maher Zain, all those guys. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a publishing arm. So I was, I'm just pitching the book idea. Like, hey, I got this idea of a book. I've got a million followers on Facebook. He looks at me and goes, what? <laughs> He's like, send me a book proposal. I'm like, sure. And then I'm like, I don't know, what's the book proposal? <laughs> I have no idea. So I, I go research book proposal. I literally type a book proposal. I send it to him. He goes, good, write the manuscript. I'm like dang, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I didn't have to write the manuscript. Yeah, yeah. So I write the whole book, and then I do something which I, I don't know Allah Subhanahu inspired me this. I think before I submit this manuscript, let me find the best editor out there, like Great. a New York Times best-selling editor, and let him read the book. Okay. So I find this guy called Neil Nils. Um, he is the editor for Ryan Holiday. Okay. And he writes like it's like I don't know anything about Islam, Muslims. Like perfect, you're the perfect guy to read this because <laughs> yeah. if you can get this book. It's I want this book to appeal to not just the religious Muslims, everybody. Everyone's, even if someone not, not practicing will, will find benefit in this. So Neil's like, all right, cool. And he, and he quotes me, this, it's super expensive. Like normally, ready to do like, you know, 2K, 3K, you can get it. Yeah. He got like, like 9K. I'm like, all right, do it. <laughs> do it. I like to call my savings like, here, <laughs> do it. And the guy rips the book apart. He oh, yeah. rips oh. it. I mean, he destroys me. Like, he's like, Red but but, but that too, not knowing about Islam, nothing. Anything. But he's like, you have to rewrite the entire thing. He's like, the way you're writing, you're writing as if you're your you're school kid. Like you, you just you destroyed me, right? But once he was done, that's I mean that he put the book together. He was that's alhamdulillah one of the reasons why the book appealed to so many. Okay. The structure, the style, the clarity. Having someone like him made a huge difference. Made a huge so difference. So he was with you the, all, the whole the, process. So, the, so again, so that for me was was one of those things that when the book and then okay, and then of course uh, Claritas or Awakening, but now Claritas, they did an amazing job with the book cover. So mm-hmm. the book mm-hmm. cover is there. The content was great, 
and then alhamdulillah became like a best seller in the Muslim community like it just became this book that became the reference point alhamdulillah Subhanallah. So they say it's easy to to write your first book, and then the second book is the hard one. How <laughs> yeah. did how did the barakah effect uh, happen? Yeah, after the first book, I'll never write a book again. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm done. Yeah, I was like, halas. I literally, I was like, I was like, I'm done. Like the process so painful. Right, like just right. the work of Nils was like he killed me. Like I'm not gonna write a book again. But then 2017, I got invited by, again, this one mainstream author, Chris Gillibull. He writes uh, $100 Startup. Okay. Amazing guy. We just happened to be online a few times. And we just met. He met Dallas once. And he's like, hey, uh, this is like during the Trump year as well. He's like, hey, listen, I want to have a Muslim voice in my conference. I'm like, sure. Can you just come and talk, you know, just from a Muslim perspective about things? <laughs> and this conference, like, apparently is like the conference for all these, like, lifestyle authors, entrepreneurs. Everyone in the who's who is there. Okay. There's like 1,500 of them. So I'm like, okay, what on earth are I talking about? And then this whole idea of barakah came up. Like, let me just talk about barakah. I feel like that's a, that's a concept I can talk about okay. and which might appeal to a, you know, a mainstream audience. So I gave that keynote talk, you know, the barakah, the missing soul of productivity. And again, just the, the way people reacted to that. Just, you know, again, these are non-Muslims. They came up to me and they just loved it. They're like, this Baraka stuff is amazing. Yeah, Baraka, yeah, give, me, give me more of that. Where can I get more of that? And people messaging me. So it, I'm like, whoa, this appealed. Then I started really doubling down on Baraka. And then it became almost like the rallying cry of what it means to be productive from a Muslim, Muslim perspective. Because the productivity okay. in the mainstream is about hustling. It's about, you know, you know no family time. Forget about worship, you know, just kill yourself, hustle, hustle, hustle. It's mm-hmm. called hustle culture. And I'm like, what what's the alternative? What's the what's the Muslim version being productive? Okay. And again, it's Baraka culture, right? Which is God centered, yes, yes. purpose impact driven. It's about balance, about being prophetic in your way. So it's not defining this model of productivity. And I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. So that became the next book. Was like just talking about talking this whole Baraka effect, Baraka culture, and what it means to live this this life. So the second book is more like about this whole is way of almost seeing the world from a Baraka perspective and how it informs your business and your personal life, basically. And it's like now this thick. <laughs> it's oh, coming amazing. up, inshallah, in January 26th. Inshallah, inshallah we're excited. Inshallah. We're excited inshallah. to get it and read it and, and so on. Uh, does it piggyback a lot off uh, the productive Muslim or is it its own? It's, uh, it is an evolution. You can, you can definitely tell okay. the jump in things. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's very prescriptive. Like, here's okay. how you manage your time, your sleep, and energy. And yes, there was some philosophy, or there's some philosophical f- um, grounding to it, but not so much. This one is kind of almost like the worldview, the philosophical grounding. I feel the two come together really well. Okay. Like, the, the okay. first one is the Baraka effect is more about the philosophy, how you live your life. And then one second one is the practical part of it kind of thing. So that's how they go yeah, together. It's so. a little deeper. Yeah, a little deeper. Maybe getting older as well. I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like by my 10th book, I'm like, you know, what is life? <laughs> what is... I'll become way too philosophical. Philosophical, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long has the, the Baraka effect been in, in the works for? It's been e, five, 2019 officially started. And... Okay. Finished and publishes almost in January, so yeah, five years. Subhanallah, yeah, so it's yeah, quite yeah, the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and that's that's really you, slow. Right now, yeah, you're looking at two books a decade. Right? I, <laughs> I know. I'm like, that's not good. I'm like, I'm like, I need. Uh, sorry, if I'm calling myself an author, I need at least a book every two years, right? Then, <laughs> yeah, but you're not writing a Harry Potter. <laughs> I know. <so> it's like, <laughs> but again, part of me is like, I need again. This I've got books in the pipeline. It's just that. One thing I learned from the definitely the second book was much easier to write than the first book because yeah. the second book I knew what I was doing, even framework, structuring, writing, drafting, the whole process became clearer. So I'm hoping, hoping to get more 
again, the, I feel like books is probably yes, people all people don't read. People trust people read. Yeah, people read. read yeah. People listen to these audiobooks, and it is I call the book is your best business card. Okay. Like I've had people the CEO talk South Africa. That's how I went to South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like this guy reads a book in th- in like he said he, I got your book last weekend. I read it in the weekend. He calls me up on literal Monday morning. He's like, "Listen, come. I want you to train my entire company in your book." I'm like, "All right, cool." And that's how I went to South Africa. It was yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. the best business card you can ever have because people see you as an authority. I've had situations where people would not like companies would call me because I'm author of. So I always tell people if you can write, even if you you think you don't have a book, write a book. It's your best business card you can ever have. Basically, it hmm. pays off in in many many ways. Uh, way way more than expected. Basically. That gives me motivation to start. That's it. There we you go. should never write a book for you and the adventures. I mean, <laughs> should, knowing yourself and all the business <laughs> ventures you've been through. Look at all You guys should definitely make, write a book. It will make a good seller. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, what a life. Oh, I can just, I just imagine. Just, just, just again, again, you have so much in you. It's much like lesson. Uh, the way I say it, write for your children. That's how I put it. Okay. Write okay, a book okay, for your okay. children. Like, this is a book I want my kids to read okay. after I die. Mine would have been a bit outdated, <laughs> but now I have to tone it down a bit. Okay. <laughs> it, it really changed because then you're like, all right, this is my. And it's Sadaka Jariya. People are like, it's just the amount of. I mean, the randomest people. And then even better when stuff, people start to translate it. And we have some, so many unofficial translations of <laughs> <laughs> Somebody literally messaged me from Bangladesh. They like, dude, this is an unofficial translation. It's called Muhammad Paris. No, Muhammad Paris. Muhammad Paris. <laughs> and the same cover and everything in Bangladesh. I'm like, all right, Alhamdulillah. I was happy. My publisher was not happy, but I was happy. Yeah, like, yeah. The fact my message being spread, I'm like, okay. that's amazing. That's, that's, okay, that's yeah. Baraka, right? And then, you know, I've got Bosnian, Kosovo, Albanian. You know, people are just going out of their way translating the book. translate the book and I'm like Mashallah, that, man, that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spread it so I feel like there's so much books are one of those assets is the best assets you can have you know it pays off in many ways basically but I think with with productive Muslim like I, I have a copy myself and um, I feel like a lot of it too is uh, very it, it's easy to apply to the daily life but we just need to sometimes see it yeah in order to like make it click and be like, okay, it's, yep. it's not that difficult. Exactly. It's, not, it's not rocket science. It's, it's not, not rocket science. Yeah, right? It's yeah. just seeing it there and then, okay, now we start to apply it little by little, little by yes, little, identify it, recognize yeah. it. So I think that's why. And then it's, I mean, it's only beneficial, right? It's not, nothing. That's it. Yeah, you're giving tough. people tools and these are <coughs> these are everyday tools people can use and, and I think it's, you're doing uh, society and, mm-hmm. and everybody are, uh, yeah, some the scholar here Absolutely. says it's practical spirituality. That's what it is. I mean, that's it. It's like we hear a lot of okay, do this. I'm like, okay, how? Wake up for you know, pray fajr. Like, how do I wake up for fajr? I can't manage my sleep. You know, my you know, what time do I wake sleep? What time exactly. do I wake up? Yeah. You know, so I think it's just the pra- being really practical given the modern context. Okay. Because a lot of times we we try to apply you know what the Sahabas did in their time in our modern and like it's really hard. I mean, they have a different the whole lifestyle was different you know they yeah. slept early you know they had naps right so how do you given our modern day challenges given the modern context how do you apply your faith and i think that the more practical we've been the more people find our stuff really helpful like for example we have this famous poster the daily routine from Muhammad okay and people just see that poster they're like oh my god thank you like for the first time I get it. I see how he arranges day. And yes, maybe I cannot follow his day perfectly, but at least I have an idea of how I can follow him. Exactly. And people and like need a guideline. That. Exactly. And that's all you need. Because yeah. uh, uh, what, to what you said earlier, sometimes you just hear like uh, the Friday khutbah or the lecture. Mm. And it's drilled into you. 
you know you said it's more like them scolding you it's yeah like, so yeah, sometimes yeah, you see you, it and yeah. then i can only imagine the the retreats and the experiential portion of it immersive portion of it how beneficial that is but yeah just being able to see it in a very clear way simple it's not complicated just just, just do it how implement your <laughs> life yeah yeah it's amazing i love it. it i love it what what are the uh, biggest lessons like you interacting with people all around the world and so on and people have come up to a author Uh, for for you've helped me out so much what are the, some of the stories that really touch you about what uh, where and uh, your book has 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 reached and and what what ha- it has achieved and what has touched you the most alhamdulillah i think there's so many i get i get yeah. emails once almost a, it's on a weekly sometimes basis people like reaching out say hey this helped me move get away from depression this helped me oh, you know change my life yeah. for i was i was this failing kid This helped me get over pornography. This helped me like there's just the stories here. And how does that make you feel? I mean, it's it's overwhelming and grateful yeah. and and it gives me the fuel to keep going. Okay. And okay. and normally again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay. so like every time I have a thought of saying, you know, maybe I should quit this. Maybe she, you know, I should stop <laughs> doing this. I should just go back to night. I should get a real job, right? <laughs> <laughs> and boom, I get a message like that. And it's like I can't go back. It's no, like you can like it's like I'll be doing a, That was I remember when I went to my mentor I'm like should I quit my job like this is again it has talk about benefits education allowance all my kids housing allowance medical insurance myself and my parents mm-hmm. I'm taking good salary I'm like am I being ungrateful like am I kicking off this ni'mah by jumping into something that's so uncertain unsure and he, and the guy said something which I'll never forget he said listen Ahmed if you stay with your job if sorry if you leave your job right somebody else will replace you yes But if you don't do this, no one else will replace you. And I was like, "Dang!" It's like, "Why make it so hard?" It's like, it's like, it's like that is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala put that in front of you. He gave you the gift. He gave you the talent. He gave you the time. He gave you the ability to connect people. Use it. It's like the fact if you don't do that, that's you being ungrateful. And he just completely flipped the script for me. Of course, because I feel that if you didn't go down this road. And you stuck with your corporate job, you will regret it. I would have regretted being depressed. Yes, I would have been a very. You would need the 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 product <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I mean, I would have done a retreat. I would have done a retreat myself. I'm like, yes, I need a retreat. It's like, uh, it's like uh, that quote that you have, right? It's like, what's the purpose in life, right? Find your gift, mm. and how can you give share it with the world uh, and give it away, right? Yeah. yeah. How can you? No, definitely. I mean, others? so, but again, but doubts are there, you know. Financial sometimes goes up and down again. We're being entrepreneurs. Some years are great. Some years are not so great. Sometimes ups and so I think it's just like having that 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 you know you need to detach yourself from the outcome and just what's your intention? Put in the work. Having that trust. Having that tawakkul. Right. That complete and utter trust. Knowing that there is from Allah Taala, not from a company, not from a job. I mean these these things. I know it's hard in practice because you know you have family, you have parents, you have kids you're like oh boy like i have responsibility am i being responsible like all those questions shit i was a shit i want come many many times to try to dissuade you yes yes but you say it's meaningful it's purposeful it's the right intention you know allah not forsake you and alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so alhamdulillah i always have to ask muhammad the main question we ask everybody is okay. and you touched on it with with intention but what is your why for what you do exactly that's the ah. deep one we are <laughs> to ask everybody we ask everybody <laughs> it's it's i guess i guess it's is for me it's like i'll say oh allah make me a means for the ummah's like success and victory and don't make me a means for ummah's uh loss i think so, that's so that's so the really. why like like 
use me don't replace like use like we're in a situation we're now in a situation where the ummah needs us like hmm. and allah has blessed us with so much i mean alhamdulillah good schools good education good life alhamdulillah like so much so how can allah use us for his sake and for the ummah's sake and not replace us right so i feel like that that is going to be the yeah, one be beneficial be be benefit be, be a means like a man i'm always say like you know, I also have a thing, you know, let's, let's, I'm praying one day that one of the, the Salah al-Din of come amongst us be someone who like read Productive Muslim when he's a young kid or something. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You never yeah. know, right? Yeah. You never know. Someone has yeah. already yeah. been inspired by someone. Like, why yeah. not? We have people, like, you be the, it took a generation for Salah al-Din to come rise. Yeah. And I think, alhamdulillah, so many people doing great work. I'm just playing that we play, like, Productive Muslim plays that one role, inshallah, ta'ala, in that, in that inshallah, revival. Inshallah. Muhammad. Uh, this question was was uh, you know coming from South Africa, conservative ulama and so on, and and when an alim writes a book or, or or someone writes a book, then other alims will read it and some will agree, some will criticize. Have you ever experienced that? Some alims read your book, said uh, Muhammad should not be writing about it or should be writing this that. No, that from a, from the scholars perspective yeah. I got a lot of support oh, I don't think I've had scholars who have tarnished the book in any way form I have now again maybe I don't know them maybe they're amazed but they haven't told me <laughs> yeah. um, but unfortunately from people right who are you to write a book about Islam who are you to teach about Islam right there's this oh, oh, so that, yeah, from, yeah, their, from yeah, the masses okay. I remember in the early days I've had people like again even the whole business model, the fact that I'm charging for courses and charging for retreats. Exactly. And it's like, whoa, it's like, who you know, like there's this whole, Alhamdulillah got a lot better nowadays. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. people are not expecting and people find it easy. But when we started 2007, 2008, it was like, it was like, dude, what are you doing? You yeah, know, yeah, are you yeah. here like selling Islam? Are you trying to be like, you know, ca- you know, making money out of selling knowledge? Like it was whole, this, and, he, and, he, and he threw you off. Something like, hey, wait, am I being wrong? Am I, so you start questioning yourself. Questioning yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then if it wasn't for, again, having scholars on the back, say, no, you're not doing anything haram, you're doing anything halal, you, you know, the way you're doing it, you're packaging it, in fact, they value it more. That was, that's where we stuck to it. Mashallah. So I think there is that. But alhamdulillah, I think from a scholar, and we know a lot of scholars here in, in also in the DFW area, yeah, yeah. just being extremely supportive. Um, they see the the value. And for me also, I don't claim I'm a sheikh. I'm not a sheikh, I'm not a scholar, I'm not mm. a, don't call me ustad even. Yeah, right? yeah, you know. I'm me, I'm just a girl, I'm your buddy. And I'm just facilitating the experience. And that's why the re- people find the retreat very refreshing. Normally, if you have this retreat, there's an alim, there's a scholar, and everyone's like, you know, yes, sheikh, you know. But yeah. here's like, oh, he's just like me. And he has the same issues I do. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out his life as I do. So they feel more comfortable to share the mm-hmm. practical yeah. questions, practical issues, which may not feel comfortable to speak to a scholar. So I will say we are between the scholars and the masses. Like we translate okay. the work of the scholars for the masses in a way. It's like okay. that's that's our role. Like we're not replacing scholars, Mm-mm. and we're not trying to be scholars. We're saying, how can we take the amazing work the scholars are doing, and put in a language that and the, the, the people understand to get it. The layman understands exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, alhamdulillah, man. Yeah. Muhammad, we are blessed to have you on our podcast so and to share your experiences with Thank us. You. And inshallah, we hope your your book is going to be phenomenal. Inshallah. You said January 20, 2024. 26, inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. In we should tell all our listeners yes, yes. And to please we'll, we'll, uh, buy the link your, effect, your, your we'll website link on there because inshallah, inshallah, I think it'll be, it'll be really beneficial. Um, any last things for Muhammad? No, if you have any, any parting words of advice or, or any. Uh, I guess the advice I was given is I pass it on as an amana where in 2007. This is before starting the pod- blog, subhanAllah. 
I went to um, I was just play, I was with a friend of mine and he knew Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya's son. Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya is okay. well-known scholar, and his son. So we went to visit Sheikh Abdullah, and we visited him, you know, in his home, and he was like, you know, give us advice, <laughs> and you know, he's sitting there quiet, and he goes, "Ahsaniyyu amal," like have good intentions and work hard. That's it. That's it. Have good like intentions, simple. work hard. And I felt like this is a summary. Like I've tried to live up to that, and this is a summary of success, summary of of everything. So I'll, whenever in any platform, I try to pass on that message: have good intentions, work hard. Mashallah. Leave Those are, I think, the best parting words. That, that is the, the, the best advice. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad, shukran. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Assalamualaikum. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for watching today's episode of It's Go Time. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and leave comments. Uh, on all of our channels we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube and don't forget our Instagram and Facebook pages as well.